Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Neil World Order Podcast. Coming to you on a Sunday night, uh, holiday weekend here, so no work tomorrow. Uh, last night, we went and saw uh, Eric Church, Brothers Osborne, and Parker McCollum at uh, Miller Park in Milwaukee. Uh, so that's why I didn't do the podcast last night. I was really tired uh, and just was like, you know what, I'm going to get some sleep. I can do it Sunday night. Yada, yada. Uh, great show last night. It was my first time uh, actually seeing Eric Church. Uh, I had heard he was amazing live. He puts on a best show. You know, I, I love Eric Church's music. Um, we had great seats, beautiful night outside. Did some uh, pre-concert tailgating and drinking in the parking lot there. Uh, I'd seen Brothers Osborne before. Um, they were great then. They were amazing last night, honestly. Uh when they were finished, I was like, wow, that's going to be a hard one to follow for Eric Church. And um, Eric Church came, and Eric Church was amazing. Like, he was so good. Um, played everything. Uh, you know, even the kid, uh, Parker McCollum, who, I, honestly, I didn't realize I'd heard his songs till like, he started playing them. And uh, he was great. You know, I'll have to say, I, I mean, I don't know how many of you go see shows or what kind of you go to country concerts are honestly the best concerts like when i think of the concerts where i've enjoyed myself the most it was the most comfortable as far as the quality of music and just the atmosphere and everything else it, it's been you know country shows from like garth brooks to uh rascal flats um when we saw luke bryan and brothers osborne it was a great crowd uh you know it was just chill and like last night it was, it was almost cold uh, you know, they had the Miller Park, well, it's American Family Field now or whatever, but it's always going to be Miller Park where the Milwaukee Brewers play. It uh, has a retractable dome, um, so it was open. Um, just a, It was just a really cool show. Uh, you know, I even thought in a stadium, yeah, I, I think it's the first time I've ever seen a concert in a stadium. I think I've seen, you know, I've been to some outdoor festivals and stuff like that, but never like a full-on stadium show. Uh, and that place was packed. It was sold out. So uh, props to Eric Church. Uh, hell of a show. If you get the chance to go see him, definitely worth every penny. No whiskey tonight. Um, drinking some sour raspberry mixed with uh, some Calypso light blue raspberry lemonade. And it's actually amazing. I thought it might be too much blue. But uh, I was in the mood for something a little fruity tonight. It sounds terrible and weak, but I think it's just because we were out pulling weeds today. And I, my wife did way more of it than I did. I caught the tail end of it, and uh, she busted her ass and literally did the whole front. 99% uh, of the back, I probably chipped in about 1% just because I was uh, doing some Instacart stuff today and whatever. Um and, you know, the sun was beating down out there today. It was a little muggier today than it had been. Um, it was <laughs> temperature just kind of like f the weather just kind of flipped overnight, which it'll do here in the Midwest. I think it's supposed to be really warm tomorrow. Uh, you know, for years it seemed like all it ever did was rain on Memorial Day weekend, so it looks like um, we're going to get past that this weekend. Um, where to, wow, where to even start this week? Um, you know, unless you live in a cave. Unfortunately, there was another shooting at a school, uh, this time in Uvalde, Texas. You know, this 
incident comes just a short time after the shooting in Buffalo, New York at a supermarket. Um, the events on Tuesday left 19 children and two teachers, dad, two adults. Um, the children ranged in ages from 7 to 10 at Robb Elementary School. The shooter, an 18-year-old Hispanic man whose name honestly doesn't matter, uh, and I won't say it. I'm guessing the media may not say it as much either because he's a person of color and he's not white. Um, you know, these these events are the ultimate nightmare for any parent. You know, and these tragedies are heinous, and the people who would do these things, if they're not killed on site, should be sentenced to immediate death. You know, the shooter was killed on the scene by a border patrol agent, a special ops one, who had respond, who was off duty and responded. Uh, I believe he was at a barber shop, and he himself was shot twice and walked away from the scene. You know, when I wrote this, I kind of worded this weird. I said the coming days, but the days that came after this, you're going to hear my ice maker in the background because. I was making ice and I forgot to shut it off and I don't want to get up now. Um, you know, we've been flooded with every political figurehead yammering for change and talking about these things need to stop and we can't just do nothing. Uh, you know, there'll be celebrity commercials and I don't know, some people or athletes will do a protest or whatever, you know, and nobody honestly offers any logical solutions. Um, you know, there are laws that are actually even in place to prevent these things from happening, in theory. Um, you know, schools are technically gun-free zones. You know, the shooter wasn't old enough to have purchased a handgun, yet he had one. Um, you know, his rifles had been purchased legally, and we'll come back to those. Um, so, you know, he's already broken two laws before he even opened fire. You know, and people who do terrible things they don't usually follow the law. You know, it's a pattern they have. They don't even, they, I, don't, I don't even think they probably concern themselves with the law if you went into the whole forensic psychology of it. And that, that's kind of how a psychopathic mind works. You know, you're, you're wanting to try and legislate reason and logic into people who are, for the most part, completely void of it. You know, and... Me, personally, I ask people who talk about tougher and stricter gun laws all the time. I'm like, what would you change? You know, and what don't you like that's already in place? And I'll be honest, I usually get blank looks because most of them don't even know or understand what the current process is. And that's okay. I don't expect you to know it. But, like, don't speak on something if you're not versed or educated. And I think sometimes... The, the biggest issue with topics of uh, policy is, is people's lack of, they're, they're just ignorant to it, to things. They just don't know. You know, and they hear things on TV or they read things in the paper or Whoopi Goldberg tells them something on The View and they think, oh yeah, that's what I believe. I mean, there's probably a whole generation lost now because they're not getting their news from Jon Stewart. But you know, they're just, they have no clue what the existing rules are. They're just confident that we need more laws and rules. And that's all they know. So, like, let me be clear. 
if I thought there was a certain law or change that could make or prevent these terrible things from happening, I personally would be on board 100%. I would. I, I would be like, okay, if somebody came with, you know, they, what is the, what is the, uh, the the political term? It's like, was it common sense gun ref- like, like the issue is, is they make up these phrases. They're just terms for things. Um, you know, I, and I'm not a cling to my gun till I'm dead conservative. I believe in the Second Amendment. I support the Second Amendment. Um, I also believe that responsible gun o- ownership prevents tragedy, and I will continue to argue that. Um, I do not associate the existence of guns with kids dying or think that because guns exist and we have a right to them, that it means kids are going to die. Like, it's a gun on its own, technically, doesn't hurt anything. If I leave a gun on the table and I don't touch it and no one else acts upon it, it's not going to do anything but sit there like a paperweight. You see, it's it's a tool. And just like as it, if that was a hammer without a hand yielding it, it's pointless. It's just an object. You know, and yeah, I'm on here and I talk a lot and whatever. And I have a social media, but like presence. Or I'm a watcher and a listener. For the past month, I've seen, you know, the lefties all over TV, social media. Oops, sorry, I smacked the mic. And anywhere they can get attention, talk about how they should have the right to kill the unborn. You know, unborn children. They love abortion or reproductive rights or reproductive health care, whatever term they use to try to distract themselves from what actually occurs in an abortion. And they they literally, they love abortion. They will die on that hill, pun intended. But those same people will act so distraught and a mess over these school shooting deaths as if death isn't death regardless of how it happens. You know, if you support death through abortion and then act all appalled about these shootings, you're not really arguing with any integrity, are you? Like, if you really think at the heart of it and you say it out loud and you look yourself in the mirror and you apply some common sense, like, you're literally in, you're literally picking and choosing which kids to grieve or which ones deserve to live, it it, it almost comes off like mental illness. You know, when we say liberalism is a mental disorder, and a lot lot of health professionals would would agree, um, I seriously can't wrap my head around that ideology. And and I assure you, I want to understand, and I'm open to anyone who wants to have this conversation and discuss it like adults. Um, you know, why do these things happen, though? I think maybe the biggest and hardest pill to swallow in all that, all of this is we may never really know. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll get some insight. Uh, you know, the kids at Columbine, I believe they left some kind of manifesto or journals about feeling isolated and bullied. And, you know, so have others who have committed similar acts. Um, you know, and people will say, oh, does this only happen? This only happens here in the United States. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, and if you look at statistics, it it does happen elsewhere. It, But it does happen 
far more often here in our country. And before I go down the list, um, I'm not blaming guns. I'm simply just giving some insight and I believe facts and numbers matter. Um, since just some countries, since 1991, Australia has had six school shootings. There were eight in Germany since 1913. And that's the country that, I mean, had the Holocaust. 19 in Canada since 1884. Five in Russia since 2014. But no country's tally comes close to the United States. Why? Uh, I mean, that's the big question. I mean, I think it's, you know, do we put less value in life here in our country? Uh, some would argue that we absolutely do. Um, you know, we have a society here that does very little to support those with mental health issues. Um, you know, do we have violence everywhere? TVs, video games, movies, music, and so on? Absolutely. Um, do we have a nuclear family system that has crumbled over maybe the past 70 years? 100%. However, and this was an interesting thing I came across, gun ownership is lower now than it was in the past. From 1976 to 1982, 51% of American adults owned a firearm, compared to about 22% now. Now, a lot of people will look at that as saying during that period you had a lot of, um, I don't know, like the greatest generation, your World War uh, veterans, your Korean veterans, you know, people that were alive then and were, you know, had their fire. Regardless, um, you know, school shootings, I, there's less guns now, believe it or not. Maybe the gun, you know, capacity, different, we, this, we can get into all that, but school shootings in the U.S. date back as far as 1840, as I could found. Um, that was as far as a lot of these, you know, ones I looked, you know, it's like maybe a student shot a teacher, uh, a disagreement between two classmates. It wasn't like what we're seeing now. School, they kind of began to escalate in the early 1990s. Um, and reached a record at the time um, on April 20th, 1999 with Columbine, which I thought was earlier than 1999. So I researched and read, and I was like, no, I don't think that was 99. I think it was earlier, but apparently it was 1999. That's a really good drink. Uh, when the two high school shooters killed 15 and injured another 21. Before Columbine, based on what I was able to find, the most casualties in a school shooting was five. And it would be another six years before we saw double-digit casualties again, when in 2005 in Red Lake, Minnesota, at a school on an Indian reservation. And then, unfortunately, there was the Virginia Tech shooter in 2007 who killed 33 and injured 23. Um, and then the events of Sandy Hook, which left 27 dead, and Parkland... Florida in 2018-17. Um, there were, in 2019, we had 57 school shootings in the United States. 2019, I said. Uh, almost all resulted in one to no deaths. Uh, 2020, school shootings, very similar. Uh, 
there were 17 of them, you know, which with lockdowns and stuff. 2021, 32 school shootings. Uh, and then in 2022, there had only been seven deaths in school shootings before um, the events that unfolded in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary School. And let me be clear that these numbers include suicides on campus. They include shootings that happen after hours, say like at football games, on playgrounds, you know, gang-related stuff. Um, you know, it, it's not every one of these is not somebody walking in an open fire in a classroom. You know, and like I was saying, what, what is it that causes these tragic and violent ev events? You know, maybe it's the breakdown of the American family. You know, maybe it's the absence of God in school and in households across the country. You know, like I said, perhaps we glorify violence. Maybe we don't provide the right tools for those who suffer from mental illness or we don't recognize mental illness soon enough or early enough. You know, and usually after guns, mental illness is kind of the next talking point by all the figureheads and you know it just ends up getting politicized and it, it becomes an agenda not something people actually care about it's just a talking point you know and then it becomes an argument for universal health care just a slam on the whole health care system in general and it never really becomes about mental mental illness it's about a, a global thing you know a bigger picture um you know, and like I said, the stats show that back in the day, these things didn't happen, and in, a, in times when technically there were more firearms in homes. So what changed? Uh, if I'm going to give my opinion, well, I guess I'm going to give my opinion because it's my podcast. Um, to me, I think a huge part of it is coping skills and social skills. I think we can all agree kids today are more fragile than they were 30, 50 years ago. But here's where I'm going to get you. It's not the fault of the kids. That's on the parenting and society as a whole. I think at some point we quit allowing children to process and drive through adversity and pain and loss and and just challenge challenges. You know, bear bear with me. We think about it. We didn't want there to be winners and losers, just winners. We didn't want anyone to feel left out or left behind. We made the finish line, line the same for everyone, when it honestly should have been the starting line that was the same. We took away children's ability to adapt and overcome, you see, because instead we put ourselves between them and whatever the world would throw at them. We meant well, we did, but the results you could say are catastrophic because there's this generation that doesn't understand losing or doesn't realize that maybe they aren't the best. And when, when reality finds them and, and challenges and cruelty and, you know, some of this, the darker sides of life find them, they are not prepared. And you can see it everywhere. Um, young adults, and some adults as well, they pout and throw tantrums the way children used to, I think it's more prevalent now to see teenagers and adults in a tantrum state than it is, you know, when you used to go shopping and some kids throwing down on the floor because and kicking and screaming and mom's like, oh, like it's adults and young people that are doing that now. 
in society. You know, and it's this whole generation of people who have never been told no or never really been ridiculed or criticized. And they're unable to cope with what happens and how these things, when they occur, make them feel. You know, and I'm not condoning bullying by any... That's my mindset on bullying and that whole jargon is a whole other episode. And I know that social media, being what it is now, escalates it to a level many of us never experienced. You know, but that being said, at some point, we were all bullied. You know, and at some point, we were all told we sucked or we were laughed at or whatever. It happens. Hell, it may have happened to you this week. We didn't lose our minds. We didn't react violently, aside from maybe the occasional punch to a bully's nose, which was okay when we were younger. That was how the problem fixed itself. I mean, how many movies from back in the day? You know, that's that's what happened, you know. If we started to act out or, you know, act differently because of things that were occurring to us, it didn't go unnoticed, you know, for the most part. And a lot of times we had avenues to talk about it or deal with it. Our parents were probably more involved. Um, you know, everything wasn't labeled anxiety or autism or whatever. And I think what we have seen over the past, I don't know, 20, 25, 30, 40 years is that when issues arise, there, issues arise, parents have issues come up with their children or their parenting or whatever, they put it in the hands of someone else to solve. Doctors, drug companies, therapists, counselors, etc. You know, and sometimes maybe all that's needed is a stern talking to or a shoulder to cry on, maybe an ear to listen. Uh, some words of encouragement, you know, maybe a shared life experience. Maybe these could become teaching moments and not just things that we brush off. Um, you know, and, and we don't need every misstep or feeling by our kids to be diagnosed. We need to parent, you know, and, and this goes for everyone. There's, We're probably all guilty of it, you know, and we, we probably, honestly, we probably quit doing it, the parenting stuff, because it's fucking hard. And we're all lazy. We are. Americans are lazy. We want quick, easy solutions. We want them yesterday. We can't expect, be expected to put the time in and take things step by step. It's now, now, now. That's how we want things. We want our food, our coffee, our cars, our shoes, whatever. Amazon exists because we're fucking impatient and we need it in two days. Bottom line. Like, that. that's who we are. That's our attention span. And if you look at it, violence, violence is fucking lazy. It's, it's the epitome of a lack, complete lack of problem solving and coping skills. It's fucking lazy. It's a knee jerk reaction. Instead of trying to cope or come to terms, people just lash out and they want the world to feel their pain, so to speak. So they inflict pain. I mean, some people take pleasure in it, but like, psychopathy is a whole other subject but if we take the time to talk and let people or our kids or whoever know that your feelings they will be hurt in this world 
and it may be upsetting and, and, and that there is malice there is cruelty you know there is injustice there's it, there's just shit sometimes for the sake of there being shit but life goes on it, it, it does and it gets better and it ends you know and there's a light at the end of the tunnel everything isn't the end of the world you know bad times hard times they don't last we can choose how we channel our emotions you know we are not pre-programmed to resort to violence at least most of us i would think uh, some sometimes it's environmental obviously but if we facilitate an environment where people children can speak their feelings or express their anger and hurt without it needing to be diagnosed or maybe even judged but but, but you know that's just it the world is completely fucking judgmental and when i'm saying talk about their feelings and i'm not saying this is hey i identify as a dinosaur like we're talking about real shit you know and being able to recognize that you know when things aren't right and and saying something doing something um you know, and it can't all be in the hands of the education system. I mean, they're struggling to do the bare minimum of what they do anyways. So we, we can't put this on. The, I mean, this is a societal thing. I mean, we were kid, when I was kids, you knew like almost all the parents in the neighborhood. Everyone watched out for everyone. You know, when we talked about this uh, yesterday, I did with Kai's parents and stuff, and, you know, over lunch and and it was like, people don't talk to their fucking neighbors. I, I, I don't, really. I don't, I'm like, nah, you know, I'll wave, I'll nod. I don't have any ill will towards most of them. But, like, I can't be bothered. I mean, I'm not the busiest guy in the world, obviously. Uh, you know, and I don't believe my shit don't stink. I mean, it actually stinks really bad. But, uh, you know, that's, that, that's where we are. And, you know, like I said... We're all judgmental. We are. And if you're telling yourself right now you're not, you're fucking judgmental. Accept it, move on, go on with your life. We see things, you know, in life, on social media, we read things, and we judge. I do it. Hell, I, I probably do it a lot, probably more than a lot of you. You know, and, and I guess maybe knowing is the first step. And, and I don't know why I do it. It doesn't make me feel better. Um... You know, but I, I know I do it. You know, when did it start, though? I'm not saying with me. Uh, but, like, when did we start, like, this whole disconnect? And, and you know, me personally, I'm pretty good at not caring what anyone says about me or to me, for that matter. But, uh, you know, when someone says something I think is factually incorrect or just plain stupid, void of logic, reason, or whatever, well... I go to that place where, you know, and while I'm sure it's entertaining and it's probably not making the world a better place, I go off, you know, and I let them have it, you know, and that's not, isn't my goal. My wife calls it me, she asks me if I'm educating people, uh, and I think I've referred to that before. I feel like I'm stuffed up. I don't know if I sound that way, um, but it's important, I think, to understand our place and our role and everything that kind of transpires around us. 
you know, I don't know. Maybe the answer is we become less judgmental. And I, I know that's not just like saying, hey, I'm going to take in less sodium. Brandon's going to quote that back to me tomorrow. But, um, you know, I said this a long time ago on the podcast. And events like this always kind of bring me back to it. And, you know, at this day and age with technology and everything, we're more connected than ever. And like I always say, in reality, we've never been further apart. We're more divided as a people. We're more broken up into smaller groups with similar interests, not larger groups with broader interests. Uh, social, social media ultimately is terrible. It's probably one of the worst things ever invented. Uh, it was it was never necessary, and it, it has con- contributed so little good to the world. Tell yourself whatever you want, but but it, it is it's pointless, stupid, useless, you know. And in our hearts, we would we would never say this out loud. But social media makes us unproductive. It makes us jealous. It makes us annoyed and isolated. And all of those things are completely ironic to what it, like, sells itself as, so to speak. You know, here's this huge platform that's designed to connect us all, yet it leaves so many people feeling isolated and alone. You know, so how do we get to a place where this doesn't happen? You know, and like I said, my in my personal opinion, I don't think it's through laws or different types of background checks. You want to raise the, the age purchase of a rifle to 21? Okay. But lots of people purchase weapons legally and don't do anything bad with them. Uh, you know, Chicago and California have some of the strictest gun laws in the country, yet they have the worst gun crime. You know, and the other thing I keep hearing and this is where there's a real, you know, maybe like a, a break with me and a lot of my conservative friends is uh, keep hearing about guards at school. And I'm not talking about like your resource officer or, what, you know, the guard to make sure nobody runs out the door. I'm talking about like full on fucking armed security at school. And the argument a lot of a lot of you, may, it's solid. I mean, we protect politicians with guns, banks, courts, so many other institutions, you know, and in that line of reason, absolutely, we should, we should protect children because they're more valuable than all of those things. But do we really want schools to feel like prisons? You know, and those guards themselves are just a shot away from being ineffective. Parkland in Florida had a guard. He hid. You know, and if we get people to fill these roles, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, I just, as someone who's hired people and looks at the averages of what it takes, how many people you have to hire to get a good person, you're not going to get the best of the best. You're going to get older, retired, which, which is totally cool. Like, that's no disrespect. Or you're going to get flunkies out of law enforcement. Think of how many schools there are in every state. 
you know, and it's not going to be free. And taxes in a lot of areas are already stupid. Now add this to the tab. And you say now, oh, I'll pay more to keep the kids safe and blah, 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 this and blah, blah, that. Saying it and doing it are different. Um, think about the last time your school district was on a ballot looking for, for uh, more money. How many of you voted yes? I'll be honest, I didn't. But it was also for $6 million in athletic crap. Um, you know, I, I think... By putting a guard there, it's kind of like, it's putting your finger in the dam. You're not preventing the shooter from coming to the school. You're just adding a barrier. I guess maybe, maybe I'm a dreamer, so to speak. I want to prevent the events from happening. Someone needing that you know, psychopathy to go in there and do it, not just be prepared for that. And I get it, the guard thing, you know, maybe for till we get a better handle on this thing and we figure out what the fuck's wrong with the world. But we can't turn our schools into the airports. You know, into the, we just can't. That's my opinion. Um, you know, how do we train law enforcement better to handle these situations? They practice. They do. You know, some of the word coming out was that uh, those law enforcement people that were on site knew there was one gunman. They knew he'd already shot his grandmother. You know, yet they still waited over 45 minutes to go in. Uh, I've seen the video where they say, yeah, we don't want to go in there. We could get shot. Um, and parents offered to go in. You know, witnesses said they were staging the scene, you know, getting out tactical gear. And yet, at the end of the day, it was an off-duty Border Patrol agent who was getting a haircut, received a text, grabbed a shotgun from the barber, had his own sidearm, went in, was advised not to go in, took two off-duty officers in with him, was had a bullet graze his head, was shot in the leg, and he eventually killed the shooter. You know, he walked out on his own. Um, he didn't wait. He handled the situation. He put the shooter down and saved lives. You know, and that brings me, you know, I said we would come back to the gun question. You know, no one's... Well, they were asking, and then I'll get to that. Here's a fact that I'm curious about. That an 18-year-old unemployed kid had purchased $4,000... up four, Over $4,000 worth of weapons. Two Daniel Defense AR-15s. I live pretty well, you guys. And I'm telling you, I couldn't just go out and get a Daniel defense rifle just like that. I personally would like to see the purchase trail of where that money came from. I'd like to see where he purchased it, video of him purchasing it, and make sure, because I find that fishy. You know, 
And here's why. Here's where my mind wanders with things. Where I said nothing's a I don't believe in coincidence. In the aftermath of what happened in Buffalo a few weeks ago, the story which was coming out just before the Texas shooting was that Aaron Salter Jr. And this is a fact. He was the security guard killed by the shooter in Buffalo. He had just filed for a patent on an engine powered by water and hydrogen. Doesn't seem alarming, right? But what if I told you he was about the fifth or sixth person killed after seeking such a patent? Random, right? Like, I think I'm about to sneeze. Hang on. <coughs> Woo! I hate sneezing, by the way. Um, it seems odd, right? Like, I said I don't believe in coincidence because I, d I don't believe they exist. Um, you know, that compiled with the shooter in Buffalo drove 200 miles to commit a random act of white supremacy, as they labeled it. It doesn't add up. So that story begins to break. It's starting to gain a little traction about Aaron Salter Jr. And then the Texas shooting happens. You know, and then the other day, the Texas story takes a turn as far as how did the kid get these weapons and the, here's how expensive they are and he was unemployed. And then law enforcement holds a press conference and kind of throws themselves under the bus and says, we did this wrong, we had bad information. You know, and it misdirects <clears throat> from that story to, hey, we can blame the cops now. Um, you know, and, and misdirections and distractions, they're always there in the world. I mean, that's, that's just how it is, you know. The, and that's the issue with whatever is the truth is we probably wouldn't recognize it because it's been hidden from us for so long and there's a lot of people that don't want to see it or know it anyways. You know, and I'm not sure where that leaves us or even what lies ahead for us. <clears throat> but we're in a bad spot and we honestly have to find a way out. Um, you know, like I said, I don't have all the answers. I don't think it's a law thing I think ultimately it's it's what's in people's mind <clears throat> minds that I sound terrible right now I feel fine and you can't you can't legislate that but <clears throat> changing gears you know now that we've talked about terrible things that happen in our country all that being said, um, I had the opportunity um, today to attend a Memorial Day service at a uh, veterans cemetery, and um, it was, you know, it, it was it was moving um, to think about, you know, the real big picture of what our country, um, how we came to be. And, you know, the sacrifices uh, people have made. And I think it's important. You know, my mother-in-law had made a good point that every kids in school should have to attend these services. And I agree. I think if we want to really teach them to appreciate things, it starts with the simplest things like your freedom and our country and, 
you know, our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Um, you know, <clears throat> you look around, and it's easy to say this year that uh, this is going to be the most expensive Memorial Day weekend ever. But Memorial Day, in its broadest terms, in simplest terms, I guess, is the most expensive holiday ever because the price is it's it's not about inflation it's not what you paid in gas it's not how much your groceries have gone up um you know or how much more it costs your vrbo or your airfare or wherever you went whatever you did even if you just stayed home and your case of beer is two dollars more than it was that's not the price that makes it expensive. It's the people that died for this country. You know, it's those lives that make this the most expensive holiday. And I think it's important to realize that this is, it's not just a three-day weekend. You know, that it's not just the kickoff to summer that it's a very important day and that we should always honor and remember those people, you know, whose sacrifice made it possible to, for us to stand on the very ground wherever you're standing or sitting right now. Somebody's blood and breath paid for that. It paid for your freedom. It paid for your, your peace of mind tonight when you go to bed. Um, you know, we live it we there's a lot wrong with our country you know but at the end of the day this is still the greatest country in the history of the world to me and you know maybe to so many others um, people aren't flocking to go to Russia people aren't flocking to go to France they're not flocking to go to Australia Morocco Zimbabwe, Sweden, Greenland, Canada, where they're not. They're coming to America, just like Neil Diamond said. And I think it's important for us to honor those who gave everything. You know, for us to be able to stand here and critique and criticize and take for granted the very freedoms and, and even our own existence that other people paid the price for. So, you know, when you're spending time with your family, your friends, or yourself, your dogs, whatever this weekend, take a minute and think about everyone from the history of, you know, the war in Afghanistan, Persian Gulf, Korea, Vietnam, World War One, World War Two, so on and so forth, that laid the groundwork and the foundation for the life that we all have, good or bad. What we have, we owe them. And I think it's important to remember that. I think history is very important and doesn't get the real focus that it truly deserves. Um, 
you know, there's nothing. There are no better people in this world than the people who serve our country and leave their families behind. You know, sometimes they they give it all, their life, everything, so that we all can have a better world, you know, and a better country and a better life. And we don't get the opportunities to say thank you enough. And I think our, our mere freedom and existence is something we drastically take for granted. And um, I'll leave you with that. So um, any of our military people out there serving right now that are listening to this, thank you. Um, from the bottom of my heart, uh, you know, we respect you. We love you. You're the best of the best. And it's always impor important to remember that, you know, all gave some and some gave all. And at the end of the day, there's more good things about our country than there are bad. And there's more things that we have in common than we have differences. And I think when we get to a point of that, we will start to earn the sacrifice that all the people have made over the years to give us the freedom and the great, amazing country that we have. That's all I got, folks. Have a great weekend. Thank you.